Amen. Well, if you would, go ahead and turn your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. So we read this story of Peter and the disciples going out fishing. Something that they had probably done thousands of times. Literally had been on thousands of fishing trips. But yet there was something different about this day. There was something different about this fishing outing. And as I was sitting there thinking about this message, I was thinking some of us have maybe been to church hundreds of times. Many times we've heard God's word. We've sang these songs. We've taken the Lord's Supper. We we've gone through these motions before. But praying that God in his kindness this morning we'll be able to say there was something different about today. There, there was something different as we caught a glimpse of the glory and the grace of Jesus. Let's read these words from Luke chapter 5. It says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Let's pray together. Lord, we... We ask that by your grace and for your glory, you would take us down the path that Simon Peter went on that day. That, Lord, we would, in this moment, by the power of your Spirit, catch a glimpse of the glory and the power and the holiness of Jesus. Lord, we would see Jesus and it would leave us undone. It would leave us seeing our sin in light of His glory. But Lord, that You would show us Your great grace that we might, Lord, leave everything and follow You. Lord, would You take us all. Lord, whether we've been a Christian for decades or whether this is the first time we've heard of Jesus, Lord, would You help us see Your glory and grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one thing about fishing stories 
it, is that they always seem to be a little outlandish, right? Maybe some of y'all here today are fishermen. Maybe you know a fisherman and they know how to tell these stories, right? The, the fisherman's catch seems to get bigger and bigger every time they tell the story, right? Like every time, you know, the first time it's this good smallmouth bass caught it one day. It's kind of small, threw it back. The next time it's the largest largemouth bass that ever been caught on the Barren River. Like the, the story keeps going and the fish keep growing. Somehow that's how it happens with fishermen. As one saying goes, Nothing makes a fish bigger than almost being caught. Right? Nothing made that fish bigger than almost getting caught. Now, let me be honest. I grew up going to Lake Cumberland quite a bit, but I've never been much of a fisherman. Never been much of a fisherman. I don't don't really have the patience or the attention span to sit there and look at a bobber for hours on end. That's probably no surprise to anybody in here that knows me. But for, for the fishermen, there is nothing more exhilarating than getting a bite, than, than pulling in the full net. There's nothing more thrilling after patiently waiting and being surprised by an overwhelming catch. At the same time, I think there's probably nothing more frustrating then going all night, staying throughout the night and catching nothing, having nothing to show for it. And, and this is, is exactly where Peter and his friends find themselves on this day, empty-handed after a long night on the lake. They're sitting there on the shore. They're, they're feeling defeated. They're just washing these empty nets. And, and this preacher comes along who has the audacity to ask to use their boat for a pulpit. I mean, literally like to say, like, doesn't look like y'all are doing anything with this boat. Doesn't look like y'all are doing any, have done anything all night. So why don't you let me get in it and teach some people? As one commentator says, it's like Jesus is casting the net of the gospel over those who are listening. Well, right after he finished preaching, Jesus turns to Peter and tells him, hey, Let's go fishing. Look at verse 4. Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, now don't forget that these are professional fishermen. Like if they were allowed today, they'd have a fishing show, right, that they get to to have. This wasn't Peter and and his friends first outing, this first time on the lake. So so Peter patiently and, and politely responds. He says this, Master recognizing that there's something different about this man. Master, we we toiled all night, a.k.a. the best time to go fishing. We've toiled all through the night. And we, we the experts, Mr. Carpenter, we the experts took in nothing. But at your word, I'll let down the net. At your word, the the master, someone who speaks differently than everyone else, at your authority, I'm going to let down our nets. And this is what God's word tells us 
happened. This is no outlandish fishing story you heard at the Barren River. This is the glorious truth. Look at verses 6 and 7. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish. And their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come. Come over here and help us. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Talk about overwhelming. Brian, we're not, we're not talking about a fish that you mount on the wall. A fish. We're talking about fish. I know it's hard because they're the same word. Not a fish, but, but fish, right? Like multiple fish overflowing, running over the side of the boat. And as we read this passage today, as we're brought into this story, as it becomes our story today, we need to see that this is not beginner's luck for a carpenter. No, this is the sovereign power of the King of Kings. The king of kings, the one who reigns over everything, has climbed in the boat and spoken over the seas. Here's what I want us to see this morning. Despite the overwhelming and overflowing fish that are sinking in the boat, it's nothing compared to catching a glimpse of the overwhelming glory and grace of Jesus. That's my prayer this morning. Lord, would you... Would your glory and your grace towards sinners like Peter, would you make it overwhelming and overflowing like this catch to every single person in here this morning? Would you show us Jesus that we might see his glory and his grace and be moved today? That's my prayer. And I'm praying that the Lord would take each and every one of us down the same path that he took Peter that day. Because here's the first thing Peter sees. He He sees the overwhelming sight of glory. Now remember again, these are professional fishermen. They go fishing all the time, like every single day but the Sabbath, right? And this is how they make their living. They spend long nights at the lake. This is what they do. So they knew the best times to fish. They knew the best fishing holes at Gennesaret. Not some local carpenter. They're not taking their tips from him. So when they, that moment, when they pull in their nets, when their eyes see the fish overflowing so much that the boats are sinking, can you imagine it with me? Nothing like this had ever been seen before. And if we're honest, probably nothing has ever been seen like this ever again. Think about that. But listen, it is nothing compared to catching a glimpse of the glory and the power of Jesus Christ. Peter, in this moment, catches a glimpse of the glory. He catches a glimpse of His glory. It's abundantly clear that this is not natural. This is supernatural. It's a supernatural catch coming from the power and the authority of this man named Jesus. This sense of being overwhelmed. This word that they were astonished. It's found throughout the Gospels. It's all over the Gospels. We heard it just last week when when they said, What is this word? For, For with authority and power, He commands the unclean spirits. 
and they come out. Or who then is this that that He commands the wind and the waters and they obey Him? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Oh, the crowd said, no one has ever spoken like this man before. Who is this that can turn water into wine? Who can heal the blind? Who can raise the dead? Who can heal the leper? Who can sink the fishing boat? Who can sink the fishing boat? When people come in contact with Jesus, they're not just seeing a great man. They're seeing the glory of God. They're seeing the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. For Peter, he, he couldn't miss in this moment what was right in front of him. He couldn't help but be amazed by it. For Peter, he had just seen the greatest catch in his entire life or he'll ever see in his entire life. But it was nothing compared to seeing the glory and the power of Jesus. See, the question today is is not whether or not Jesus is glorious. The question this morning is, do you see him? Do you see the glory of Jesus? Do you really see Jesus for who he truly is? The, The king who reigns literally over everything. And when I say that, literally Every fish that's in the sea. Literally everything. Do you you really see Jesus, the one who is breathtakingly beautiful, the one who is not like you and me, completely other than us? Have you caught a glimpse of the one whose power is unmatched, whose question is? I mean, whose authority is unquestionable, who reigns forever, even over every one of your breaths right now. It's like if you were to take your son or daughter outside tonight, take them out and to look into the night sky, and your goal, your desire is that I want to show them the beauty of the night sky. You want them to see the glory of the moon, to catch the breathtaking beauty of the stars. And yet you walk outside, you go outside, you look up, and it's cloudy. It's overcast. And the moon is is hidden, and it's nowhere to be seen. Listen, in that moment, the, the clouds don't lessen the light. The clouds don't take away the glory of the moon. The moon is still just as glorious as it's ever been. This morning, if you can't see the glory of Jesus due to the clouds of your unbelief, due to the clouds of a hard heart, due due to the, the clouds of your idolatry, due to the clouds of your sin, it doesn't lessen the glory and the power or the beauty of Jesus at all. It doesn't lessen the glory of Jesus at all. Jesus is still just as glorious as He ever was, as He is, and as He ever will be for all eternity. C.S. Lewis said it this way, a man can no more 
diminish God's glory by refusing to worship him, then a prisoner can put out the sun by scribbling the word darkness on the walls of his cell. Listen, there's nothing in the universe that can lessen the beauty and the glory and the majesty of Jesus. So a a simple prayer for all of us today, a simple prayer that we can be praying so that we get to see what Peter says, what he saw. A simple prayer, whether, whether you're not a believer here today or you've been a believer for decades, a prayer this morning is a simple prayer is, Lord, show me Jesus. Lord, show me Jesus. Remove whatever clouds are in my life. Whatever clouds are helping me not see His beauty and His glory, I want to behold His glory. The first thing Peter sees is an overwhelming sight of His glory. The, The second thing he sees, though, is the overwhelming reality of sin. The, the overwhelming reality of his sin. So, so remember, Peter's been overwhelmed by the sight of this overwhelming catch of fish overflowing his boat. And at the same time, he sees the glory and the power, the, the holiness of Jesus. And here's his first response. It's not to jump up and down to celebrate in the the boat that these fish are going to make him filthy rich. We've made more money today than I've made maybe in an entire year. He he doesn't do that. It's not to to run to the shore so he can start telling like literally the greatest fishing story of all time. Can can you imagine being on the dock that day and the guy's like, man, I I caught a seven-pound... Large mouth out there today. And you just sit there quietly and Peter says, like I had my whole boat running over with fish. So you, you would win every fishing conversation like forever, right? That, but that's not what Peter does. Peter, instead, this, this is what happens to the heart of Simon Peter. Look at verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw it, He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Peter is undone. Seeing the glory of Jesus exposes the reality of who he is. The glory of Jesus becomes a light. It becomes a sun shining in his heart, exposing everything in his heart that's not like Jesus. And so Peter is humbled. Peter's brought low. Peter is exposed. He, he has nowhere to hide. He is left undone by his sin. And so all that he can get out is, please leave me alone. I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to be in your presence. I am a sinful man. You are worthy and I'm unworthy to be in your presence. This reminds me of Isaiah's vision of God's glory that we heard. Isaiah's vision of God's glory where he sees the Lord in the temple high and lifted up, seated on a throne. He's high and exalted over everything. And and it says the train, the very end of his robe, is filling the whole temple 
with his glory. Not just his robe, the, the train, the tip of his robe with glory. And the seraphim, the, the heavenly beings are crying out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And, and the temple starts shaking. The whole place is filled with smoke. And Isaiah has caught a glimpse of the unmatched holiness of God, the otherness of God, the beauty of his glory. And what's Isaiah's response? What's the only thing that he can say? Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Sounds like Peter, doesn't it? Sounds what? Like what happened in the heart of Peter when he caught a glimpse of the glory of Jesus. He says, depart from me. I am a sinful man. My eyes have seen the king. When a sinner comes in contact with glory, the right and proper response is to be undone. Do you hear that? When, when a sinner comes in contact with the glory of God, with the glory of Jesus, the right and proper response is to be undone. Isaiah was completely undone. Peter is on his knees, undone. You should be undone by your sin in light of holiness. Listen, this is the natural response for a sinner who sees glory. When you see the holiness of Jesus... It brings into focus the reality of your sinfulness. There's a sense of unworthiness in light of Jesus' holiness. A sense where your heart says, you know what? I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here. Like when we see the glory of Jesus, the right response is not, Jesus, like we're a lot alike, Jesus. Like... Yeah, when I look at you, Jesus, me and you, we're, we're very similar. You, that's not a heart of someone that sees glory. Glory, when you see the glory of Jesus, the right response can't be staying where you are. Staying comfortable in your sin. Being okay with how you're living. No, it's an undone, an unworthiness, a neediness for saving. You shouldn't say, or, or you couldn't say, really, if you catch a glimpse of His glory, you know what, my, my lust is not a big deal. My anger, it's not a big deal. My envy, it's not a big deal. My, my bitterness, or pride, or jealousy, my, my greed, my idolatry, my whatever I'm holding on to, it's, not a, it's just not a big deal. If you look at our passage, Peter knew it was a huge deal. It was a huge deal for Peter. That's why he says, depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. How can I even be in your presence? How can I stay comfortable with my sin? I am exposed. I can't hide. I'm undone. I remember back in uh, my teens in college, 
being comfortable with my sexual sin. Being comfortable with my lust. Even early on in, in marriage, until, until the Lord disrupted my sin so I didn't destroy my marriage. Until the Lord disrupt, disrupted my sin so that I didn't destroy my life. And I remember one uh, night, the Holy Spirit impressing upon my heart, exposing this reality, saying, why does your wife hate your sin more than you do? Why does your wife hate your sin more than you do? And in that moment, I felt exposed. I was undone. And let me just tell you that that sense of brokenness is a sweet grace of Jesus. When God breaks you from the sin you're so comfortable with, it is nothing but grace. To be undone is nothing but grace. To be desperate and unworthy is nothing but grace. So, so when was the last time the glory of Jesus disrupted your sin? Like when was the last time you felt exposed in a good way and felt undone? Let me ask you this. Why does your wife or your children or your friends hate your sin more than you do? pray this morning for the sweet grace of Jesus to expose your sin in the light of his glory. Because this would be a gift. This would be nothing but a gift this morning to not only see an overwhelming picture of the glory of Jesus, but to see an overwhelming reality of your sin, which would drive you to the next place. Number three, the overwhelming experience of grace. Let's be honest, it's, it's the right response for a sinner to be unworthy in the presence of holiness. It's good and right for Peter to cry out, depart from me. He's getting it right because his sin he knows cannot be tolerated by a holy king. It makes sense for even his friends and Peter. It says that they're filled with fear. And Jesus is holy presence it, it makes sense if you see your sin to be filled with fear in the holy presence of god that's why people in the old testament aren't just strolling in to the holy of holies casually and the truth is it would be right and just for jesus to want nothing to do with peter like whole the holy king jesus would be in the right to look at peter and say there's nothing that i can do with you like, I'm, I'm done with you. You're a great sinner, and I'm moving on until I find the next one. But that's not what Jesus does here, is it? That's not what Jesus does. Listen to the grace of Jesus in verse 10. He says these words, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Do not be Afraid. Jesus is not saying, don't start being afraid. The language here, he's, he's not saying, don't start getting scared. No, he, he's saying, instead, it's Jesus calming the fears that already exist in Peter's heart. Jesus is calming the fears 
in a heart that has been awakened by sin. He's silencing the right fears of a sinner with the experience of his calming and silencing grace. And brothers and sisters, there is nothing greater that God can do with his grace in your heart than that. Like for a sinner to be calmed when you see your sin, for, for a sinner to, to be silenced of all your shame, for a sinner to be eased by grace when the reality of your sin is in your face, you see your rebellion, you see your selfishness, yet there is no greater peace, there is no greater grace and Jesus saying, do not be afraid. Then a holy king, Jesus, seeing you in your sin and saying, do not be afraid. Maybe, maybe you see yourself today as a, a very anxious person. Well, the, the greatest fear or anxiety that your heart could ever have is having unforgiven sin. Like if you want to find something to fear in this world, something to be anxious about, it's to sin against the holy God and that sin not to be forgiven. It's for your guilt and your shame to be hanging over your head. And yet the same Jesus who speaks over the storm and says, peace be still, he says over your sinful heart today, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid in my presence, for my grace is sufficient for you. You don't have to be afraid anymore because your guilt is gone. Your shame is silenced. And this is the message of the gospel. This is the message when we look at the cross of Jesus Christ. When we look at the cross, listen, there is no minimizing your sin at the cross. There is no minimizing the holiness of God at the cross. When we look at the cross, actually, your sin is clearer than it's ever been. Because Jesus is hanging for your sin. And His holiness is greater than it's ever been. Because we see that God is not going to tolerate our sin. But yet at the same time, God's grace is increases all the more. God's grace overwhelms all our sin at the cross. See, at the cross, Jesus bears the holy wrath of God in order to overwhelm all your sin. At the cross, Jesus calms all your guilt and all your shame with His overwhelming grace and peace. If Peter thought, the sight of fish overwhelming, overflowing his fishing boat was overwhelming. There's no comparison to, to seeing the grace overflowing, overwhelming the heart of a sinner for the first time. There is no comparison to the heart of a sinner being overwhelming and overflowing with the grace of Jesus Christ. What if this morning Jesus did this in your heart? Like what if this day, February 13th, 
day before Valentine's Day, Super Bowl Sunday? What if the greatest thing about this day was not a football game, but what if, what if you could look back on that day and say, that was the day I was overwhelmed by the grace of Jesus. Where Jesus says, yes, your sin is great. Yes, I'm not going to minimize your sin. Yes, your sin is great, but do not be afraid. For there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Sinner, this morning, your heart doesn't have to be afraid anymore. If you would repent of your sin and you would run to Jesus Christ, the Holy King Jesus who lived for you, who died in your place, bearing the wrath that you deserved, and rose again. You can be forgiven and know the grace and peace of Jesus forever. The last thing we see here is, once we've experienced the grace of Jesus, the last thing comes, the overwhelming joy of surrender. The overwhelming joy of surrender. Remember, Peter and his friends have probably more money on this day than they probably do in an entire year. Their, their whole boat is filled with fish. But, but listen to what Jesus tells them. Jesus says in this passage, literally, your, your life used to be about catching fish. That used to be what characterized your life, was being a fisherman. But now, he says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. You're no longer catching fish. You are going after those who are lost. You're seeking and saving the lost just like I came to do. The grace of Jesus. Listen how gracious this is of Jesus. The grace of Jesus doesn't just calm the sinner. It calls the sinner to follow him. It doesn't just calm you and overwhelm your sin and your shame. It also, the grace of Jesus calls you to follow Him, to be a part of His work, where your life gets to be, whether you're in Bowling Green or whether you're in Bangladesh. It's about catching and pursuing that which is lost, seeking and saving the lost. Now that seems like a big task, right? That you, you would think it would be like, I need to take some time can I get back with you, Jesus? That's a big ask. Let me at least go pray about it, right? Well, look at our last verse. It says, And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. The greatest catch they had ever had. The, the only thing up to this point that they had been living for. And the Bible says, they left everything. They left everything and followed him. I bet the apostle Peter's heart felt a lot like Martin Lloyd-Jones. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a medical doctor, successful medical doctor in London, and yet he left everything behind being a doctor so that he could be a pastor, he says, of souls. Somebody asked Martin Lloyd-Jones, how did you do that? And what was Lloyd-Jones' response? He said, I gave up nothing. I received everything. I gave up nothing. I received everything. 
See, the right response to the glory of God is feeling undone by your sin. And the right response to the grace of God is feeling untied to your will and completely surrendered to His. That's the right response to the grace of God. It's feeling untied to your will and completely surrendered to His. That's the effect of grace on the heart of a sinner who's been saved, who's been redeemed, who's been won over by Christ. It's absolute surrender. It's it's a blank check on the table. That's the right effect of a sinner saved by grace. This is what missionary Tom O'Brien meant when he told me in our office here one day, "I, I don't have a will anymore. It's not about, Peter would say, it's not about my fishing business. It's not about my wants. It's not about my passions. It's not about my desires or dreams. His will is now my greatest joy. Leaving everything is not a big ask. Is that your heart this morning? Are you joyfully surrendered to His will? Is a blank check on the table... Has Jesus' glory and His grace untied you to your will where you're clinging to ever to His will? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One missionary, David Livingstone, I'm sure his heart was filled with joyful surrender when he said this, If a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, How can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? If a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? Listen, Peter's story is the story of all sinners saved by grace. Peter's story is my story. It's my story. When I was 16 years old, I caught a glimpse of the glory of Jesus. For the first time, I caught a glimpse of the glory of Jesus. And and that night, I was undone by my sin. I was undone by my selfishness. I was undone by my rebellion. Until Jesus silenced all my sin and all my shame by his calming grace till he said, do not be afraid. Peace be still. Your sins are forgiven. Though they're red like crimson, they shall be as white as snow. And at that point, all that was left was just joyful surrender to King Jesus. Joyful surrender to Jesus. As the, the old song says, glory to his name. Glory to his name. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name. Oh, to catch a glimpse of the glory of Jesus. That's what we would call 
an overwhelming catch that changes everything. Let's pray together. Father, would you do exactly what we just read in your word in this moment? moment? Would you give us a glimpse of your glory? Lord, would you allow us? Would you give us the gift of being undone by our sin, by our rebellion, by our selfishness? Lord, would you come along with your grace and say, do not be afraid. Would you tell the sinner's heart that they can be forgiven and free forever in you? Lord, would you invite people, would you save people by your grace and for your glory, Lord, into a life of joyful surrender? Lord, Lord, whether we've been believers here today for decades of our life or or whether we came in here today with a hard heart with a cold heart with a heart clouded by our sin by our shame lord would you show us jesus that we might be overwhelmed by his glory and grace we pray this in jesus name amen